0: Hi and welcome back to All Things Data. We've been talking a lot about legal and judicial AI and about what is actually possible in that world. And today we're going to dive into the specifics of what an AI program may look like and how it may act when you're looking to predict legal decisions and outcomes of cases. So without further ado, let's get going. Hi, Victor. How could the legal world be automated such that we could have a good AI program to predict legal decisions? It is actually pretty ripe for automation, oddly. It's a very common and repeatable process that most law offices and legal professionals go through when they're taking on a case and looking for prior arguments, prior cases, precedents, all that stuff. Very often, they're using a sort of search tool and it's generally only a keyword search tool, but they're useful and they're looking for similar cases and you usually find similar cases by being really good at understanding what keywords could be there. So as you might imagine, you know, with a lot of experience, you'll know that in this kind of case that you're looking at, there's a specific set of keywords that is pretty unique and doesn't usually happen in the rest of them. So it makes it searchable and usable for you. However, it's not able to find things that are close, but not exactly that keyword. And it has a lot of trouble, obviously, of finding anything that, that could be seen as relevant, but it was completely outside of the world of those words. Right? So you're in this world of, I need to know the exact keywords in order to search. And I need to search in order to get the precedent and the prior cases. And I need to understand all of these to really help build my case up so that I understand what people have said in the past, what's worked and what hasn't. So that's really just the material facts of the case. It's all about the argument itself. Right. So that's fine. Let's say you're incredible at that. So now you've got a really good idea of other cases that were pretty similar to yours. So now what happens when you look at different venues, different courts, and also different people who are interacting with the case. So you're going to have all kinds of legal professionals, right from the justice and judges. You also have the courts and the locations you have. Obviously, those are the venues, as we're talking about. But you're also going to want to know a little bit about specific times of year and write down through the list of people that could be involved. It's not only the court personnel, which obviously justices and judges and paralegals and and other prosecutors. But you're also going to want to know some of the police and some of the investigators who were part of it. That may inform you as well. Now, you as a law firm having maybe dozens or even a huge law firm, hundreds of articling students, you may have the power to do some of this stuff. However, you don't have the power to really know the entire world of this. So there is still an automation opportunity there. The other thing that you really can't do without actual live debates and trials is to judge the strength of argument. So judging the strength of argument is obviously going to rely on the entirety of that package. And in order to really understand and get to a point where you have confidence in your argument, it really benefits everybody to have sort of a score about it, right? So if you got to a place where you could score an argument as I have a really high degree of confidence that this is gonna be a winning or a great argument, that would give you a leg up over the competition, over the other side really. The last thing is just generally the witness readiness. You're going to do a lot of work in trying to prep your witnesses for trial and you also will want to prep them for the cross-examination that's occurring, depending on the kinds of trials that are going on, obviously. However, it's often more of an art than a science, and there's an opportunity here to make it more scientific. And that's where we shine quite a lot, is getting into the AI for legal decisions of courts, and obviously also pushing the envelope and innovation in the world of witness readiness and witness prep. Yeah, so there's definitely a place for automation here. It's just that it really hasn't been done all that broadly. That sounds like a repeatable process and ripe for automation. Why hasn't anyone done this yet? Yeah, okay, well, I was going there, so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in very short words, it's a hard problem, right? You might imagine that the world of AI, generally, and we were very, very, very early in the world of neural networks, and it's largely built on transactional and pretty easy to read, like computer to read data. So tabular data is awesome for this. You imagine all the spreadsheets in the world, you can suck that up in a computer very easily and give it some kind of treatment and apply some methods to it and you get to an AI model. That's pretty easy. Another input may be images and video but those all need to be pre-processed. So just giving an image to a computer, doesn't really give you anything, it's a file. That's all you really know until you do some pre-processing, just like a video is. So in order for the computer to understand that better, there are treatments that you give to images and you give to videos. And that's a very common thing because there are competitions for that. Now, the world doesn't do quite as well with text and it's gotten better recently. It's more of a novel problem than the image and video because a lot of people are trying to solve the image and video, whereas the text one isn't as fun of an academic problem usually. So it leads to there's not as many hands on it, right? In order to get to a world where you can build an AI program, you're going to have to build up your in internal capabilities and knowledge because you're dealing largely with unstructured text. So just like we were saying images and video, those are sort of, those are sort of, those are definitely unstructured, but you can structure them by pre-processing in text. You can do the same. You can turn extremely, extremely large pieces of content, whether they are legal decisions or Shakespeare or whatever, you know, like a huge work of literature you can turn all of that into something that the computer can use and you do that with nlp and nlg and that pre-processes and then you'd be looking to pass it off to some ai program to whatever it is that you need to do you could do all kinds of things in ai but you could generally predict or cluster things those are the two big buckets right so Now that NLP and NLG are the things that are going to get used. So you're going to need people to do this. So let's park that caveat all to the side. You're obviously going to need the right people for this. You're going to build a specific model for the language that your program is looking to dissect in this case, cases and decisions, legal matters, whatnot. So you're going to have to do a lot of pre-processing and do usually a lot of manual labeling yourself. So there's a lot of just work to be done. Once you've done a lot of this manual labeling and pre-processing, you're then going to build that language model. So if you remember last time we talked about FAC and our version of Fac, which is in, in, an improvement, so our Fac plus++, where you know, FAC stands for facts, issues, laws, analysis and conclusions, and the rest of the characteristics of a legal case that we also see and we also classify. We can't really talk much about them, but there are several others. That then leads to you now have the ability to turn this large unstructured piece of text into a more structured uh, data set for your computer to use. So now you could imagine that, let's say it's a 10 page notice of some sort. You could run that through a pre-processing and you would know each individual article in there or each paragraph, what their intent was, whether it was a fact, a conclusion, whatever. And then you could also, from there, pull out other information about the entire case and you would build a representation of that case in a way that a computer wants it for AI. And then of course there's the hard work of making AI. So, yeah. So the language model really is key and that's usually the big reason is the pre-processing and language model that's required for this, (laughs) because if everyone just has that input to an AI model, it becomes easier. So using these language models, how did you then arrive at an AI for legal decisions? Right. So the AI is for us, it's all about predicting the outcomes with high confidence, right? So, What we actually ended up doing is now we're going to have this magical language model that we created. And with that language model, we then go and create several representations, or we remodel using the different kinds of cases. So let's say we were operating specifically in just strict lawsuits and they're all small claims court. So they're below a certain threshold, obviously. So that gives you an opportunity to work with that specific model. You could get even more specific than small claims court. You could do small claims that are specifically about household issues, let's say, right? So that's a method that you could use, and it's somewhat close to how we've modeled it as well. Depending on the kind of law or case, we've attached a representation of the language on that case. What we then do is that creates a lot of data sets of outcomes. So you have the case along with our philac plus 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 and the outcome of that case. So now you have a decision obviously. So you've turned that decision into something the computer can read and you have also that this was whatever for you means good or bad. There's a good or bad outcome. So then you can feed it lots of these cases with the good or bad outcomes. And that gives you the ability to just based on the decision alone, the text in the decision, gives you have the ability to then further understand whether or not your facts or your laws or your analysis, all of the things in Phylac and the other dimensions we have, whether they might be successful as an argument. The other part of it that we do is we also build a similar model for the actual courts themselves, the venues, all the people in the courts, we call them actors, but basically that's your justices, your judges, the prosecutors, attorneys, paralegals. And then we build a bit of a model for the investigators. So then we have a representation of not just the investigator or let's say the justice themselves, but a meta type of each one of those things, such that we have a more like a persona of a model for each one of the actors that may be present in your case as well. So then you wrap all of that up. You have the decision model that may be very specific just right down to that specific slice of law that you're talking about. You know the venues and courts and people and the investigators if there are any. So that gives you a pretty nice holistic picture of the entire case and gives us the ability to, with pretty high confidence, understand whether or not a court case could be won or lost based on the argument that you're presenting. So yeah, wrapping all that up, it ends up being a lot of work and a lot of pre-processing and a lot of data management in order to really get to a place where you have the full context and the full picture of the case and it gives you, your AI program, that final ability to actually predict things yeah so there we have it we've gone all the way from just talking about the legal and judicial process and now we're actually talking to you guys about how we've done some of this modeling we're obviously not going into like super deep technical speak here but we wanted to make sure that you guys had an understanding of where we're going with this so next week we'll wrap up this cursory talk of judicial and legal decision ai and end the year closely on that note all right Once again, tune in next week and have a great week.